0: drugs, rock and roll, aliens and all that kinds of shit come and join Ozzy and myself visit OsborneMediaHouse.com to get special access to, to come on what do you say do you think it's the wildest show on the internet uh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> live streaming provided by Alpha Geek Radio and Alpha Geek Video visit tunein.alphageekradio.com to learn more <laughs>
0: Finally Friday is being brought to you this week by Major Spoilers VIPs from around the world. If you want to find out more and see how you can help support our work, head to members.majorspoilers.com and sign up today. Well, that's not who I want to have pop up first. There we go. Let's have all of us pop up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Finally Friday. So glad that you are here to the end of another week. And this week, oh, man, I'm super excited to have... Ashley Victoria Robinson returned to the show. Hi Ashley. Hi Steven. <laughs> so what is new with you this week?
2: Uh not a whole lot just a lot of ramping up for Comic-Con. Oh, it's coming down. Is
0: coming up. I mean uh hotel registration I think is that that's already taken care of or does that open up in like two days or something? I have no idea. Oh man that's a crazy time because they usually sell out within like 30 seconds of any hotel opening up. So that's going to be crazy. And I expect that there will be huge crowds. Although it's interesting because um, Denver Comic-Con uh, th- that was last weekend had something like 150,000 people showed up, which is really kind of cool. And yeah, I think uh,
2: it's their biggest attendance to date, like far and away.
0: Yeah. And they really made a play on Monday this week when they said that, hey, the um, um, Denver Comic-Con is the largest independent uh, Comic Con now, as far as independent creators coming and and showing off their stuff at the at the show, so that is always good. Mm. Uh, and then of course, we have Utah and Phoenix. You guys went to Phoenix uh, a couple of weeks ago. How was that?
2: Oh, it was like going to Tatooine. <laughs> it was it was so hot,
0: so hot. Uh, the Great Nato says that it's ninety degrees in Florida today, but it feels like one oh three, where that's thirty seven degrees uh, Celsius for those of you that are into that stuff. Uh.
2: Yeah, man, Celsius.
0: That's that's the way to go. <laughs> that's my is that jam. rocket. Okay, uh, it is pretty it, hot here it today. It makes it makes more sense. <laughs> and the other day I went walking and it was 84 when I left at nine o'clock in the morning and it was already like 90 um, something by the time I returned an hour later. So, summer time yeah, is definitely here.
2: We have a lot of like you get up at eight o'clock and you're
0: like, oh, it's already 90 degrees. I guess today's going to be terrible. <laughs> now, are you in a? Are you in the valley? Are you in a, we, in, a in a bowl?
2: We I am in the San Fernando Valley, Boy, so yes. it is
0: hot. Yeah. Uh, when I lived in California, I lived in Irvine, and so that's kind of in a little bowl in itself. And mm-hmm. it's so nice to go down to Newport Beach because you just crest that hill and you just go down, and the temperature drops like 15 degrees instantly. And uh, so yeah, that's how I it's would escape crazy. The heat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Before we really get into opening phone calls this week, um, I thought we should talk about the new Star Trek, not Star Trek the series. But the new guidelines that CBS and um, Paramount Pictures released yesterday that tell people how to do fan films without getting sued. And Ashley, uh, real quick, a lot of this was brought on by the Axanar fan film, which is actually a a Mm -hmm. big movie and a lot of money involved with it and all these kinds of things. They've been back and forth uh, in court and out of court and who has what and and does what and many times I think the the uh, producers of AXNAR have said, "Can you just give us some guidelines?" We we've tried to meet with you before on this. Please give us some guidelines. They
2: they've actually had they had a couple of meetings with CBS and Paramount um, to discuss settlements. Mm-hmm. And yes, the number one thing that they were asking for were guidelines. Um, everybody held up the uh, *Star Wars* guidelines, the *Lucasfilm* guidelines as something to model them on. Right. Um, and that's that's kind of what we got, and nobody seems too happy about it. Uh, even though it was the thing that was asked for. Um, It does have ramifications outside of Axanar. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of productions that are going to be affected by this, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, for
0: better or for worse, but they are here. Let's go down some of these guidelines. Uh, The first guideline is the fan production must be less than 15 minutes for a single self-contained story or no more than two segments, episodes or parts, not to exceed 30 minutes total, and no additional seasons, episodes, parts, sequels, or remakes can be made. That pretty much says no redshirt diaries right there.
2: Right. Um, And it says no continues, no new Mm -hmm. voyages, no literally any any Star Trek fan film that you can think of that is being made right now is basically just got the axe from that alone. Right. Uh, And then if they manage to escape that, everything else takes care of it.
0: Kind of, yes, because number two says the title of the fan production or any parts cannot include the name Star Trek. However, the title must contain a subtitle with the phrase a Star Trek fan production in plain typeface.
1: The fan Mm -hmm. production cannot
0: use the term official, as you mentioned, or um, any other subtitle in marketing promotion, social media for fan productions, etc. It's interesting that they say you can't use Star Trek. I was really waiting for some kind of phrasing in that to even include... You can't use this specified font or a similar font that represents the original property or next generation mm-hmm. or ongoing series or anything like that.
2: Well, I think they they probably feel like the rest of that takes care of
0: it. it. It might, but I mean, I think that there's a lot of people that could, you know, I, I made the joke of uh, call your show Wagon Train to the Stars and use yeah. that, uh, use that um, uh, font type. And I'm sure that pretty soon CBS well, there, there is, will come there is a and thing- say, yeah, we need to change that.
2: There is a thing further down that says that you must use officially licensed products. You cannot recreate anything. So yeah, they could they could use that as far as fonts if they wanted
0: to, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, and that is that. That's the number four item, and we'll jump back up to number three. But um, it says if the fan production uses commercially available Star Trek uniforms, accessories, toys, and props, the items must be official merchandise and not bootleg items or imitations of such commercially available products. Which for some things, that's kind of cool because there is not a fully available, commercially licensed set of mm-hmm. the uh, of the of the bridge of the Enterprise. So that's good. But anyone who but wants it, to it, use a, a costume,
2: right? A, it means a, that you're you're probably forced to buy um, the very expensive recreations. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a seamstress, you can't make use of their uh, skills. So again, it's it's just really limiting the field that you can use. To equip your production with.
0: Right. And so I had mentioned uh, our friend Bill Duran. Now, I don't know if he has done any Star Trek related stuff. He does a lot of video game stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But even um, uh, Daryl Skeels, who does um, uh, this week in Trek, uh, he's been doing some prop replicas that I don't think he's selling them, but he's been building them himself of the of the uh, original series uh, phasers. And I think that that kind of limits him. If someone were to say, hey, Daryl, we'd really love to use your props. In an upcoming project, can we do it? And that statement basically shuts him out of that as well.
2: Yes, it does.
0: Uh, Number three says the content of the fan production must be original, not reproductions, not recreations, no clips from any Star Trek production. If non-Star Trek third party content is used, all necessary permissions from all third party content should be obtained in writing. And that's I mean, that's pretty generic statement right there about make sure you have permission to use this stuff. But it's interesting that they're saying, hey, don't go out there and recreate Wrath of Khan because we're going to forbid you from yeah. doing that. Although then they would have to turn around and or don't, themselves. don't
2: lift a clip directly from the episode.
0: Yeah, true. And that would include, you know, if you're looking for a clip of just the uh, Starship uh, Enterprise orbiting a planet, you can't even use mm-hmm. that, which yep. is interesting. And, it, and then that kind of ties back into number four, because if you attempt to create your own 3D model, of the starship enterprise number four kind of prevents you from doing that. Even it does. It completely does. Yeah. Uh, Number five says the fan production must be a real quote unquote fan production. IE creators, actors, and all other participants must be amateurs, cannot be compensated for their services and cannot be currently or previously employed on any star Trek series, film production, DVDs uh, with any CBS or paramount pictures licenses. This one's a major one. I think.
2: That is a major one because most of the quote larger uh, fan films do employ people who have worked on Trek before. Some mm-hmm. in bigger capacities than others, uh, um, and with Axanar in particular, their director has worked on um, the back matter, the DVD. Oh right. Um, additional matter. So I think I don't. I wouldn't say I wouldn't go so far as to say that that is a direct. Um, knock against him but that is definitely taking into consideration the fact that like Renegades has uh, Walter Koenig and Nichelle Nichols and Mm -hmm. Aaron Eisenberg Mm -hmm. and Tim Russ on it Um, there's been a Star Trek Continues has an actress named Kipley Brown who had Mm -hmm. a small part on Enterprise like again you're knocking out most of the larger scale fan films with that rule
0: yeah, I I just think that's interesting. Uh, somebody in the comments says, uh, "Just a red ass uh, Adam Savage of MythBusters has done a ton of prop replicas for Star Trek. I wonder if that affects his projects too." This is only for fan this films. so f- if he's doing a how to yeah. you make your own props or something like that, I think he's okay with that.
2: And I think if you're if you're just looking for something for like a cosplay, they're not CBS is not going to come right. running after the out of the woodworks after you. This is specifically to keep people from uh, violating the IP. As they perceive it, that mm-hmm.
0: they own. So I, it's kind of bad because I was really hoping that uh, Clint Howard could get a lot more parts in uh, Star Trek uh, fan films. <laughs> I guess that's not going to happen now.
2: He's got a good agent, though. <laughs> yes, he does.
0: Uh, number six, the fan production must be non commercial. Now, this is a very large uh, paragraph, but basically it says that, hey, you cannot raise more than $50,000. So they are Woo! allowing people to go to Kickstarter to do those things. Um, you can you can only exhibit it and you can only distribute it free of charge. Meaning you have to put it up on YouTube or Vimeo or give the DVDs out for free. Um, Actually, no, you can't because you can't even do DVDs or Blu-rays. It says specifically that you can't uh, distribute it in in a physical format. Um, You can't do any advertising revenue. No unlicensed Star Trek related or fan production related merchandise can be made. Uh, The fan production cannot derive revenue by selling or licensing fan created production sets, props or costumes either. So that means no aftermarket. Once your video is out there, that's it. You can't make any more from it. And, yep. and that, that also brings in the question, though, um, what about YouTube? I mean, if you put it up on YouTube and you have a million people hit that, you have to make that non, you, you know, you can't make any money. You can't sell advertising on that YouTube ad by putting it up on your channel.
2: Yeah, they have to have. They have to be free of ads, or else uh, you can get you you get a little notification, and it makes you take it down because again, you don't own the IP. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting a little break up there, Ashley, but uh, I think we can get you going. Try talking again. Can you? Better, worse, no, better. No, it sounds like you're unplug your USB microphone and plug it back in, and that should uh, hopefully uh, clear it up. Hello. It's there. It's, it should be fine. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, the Skype has been okay. really weird this week because Matthew and I recorded um review this week, and he was nothing but dropped internet and horrible uh, connection throughout the entire time. Uh, you know, this number six, though... I'm sure i sure
2: there's an update coming.
0: Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a feeling that the number six is what's going to land a lot of people in court because we've talked about this before in the Major Spoilers podcast in that um, we've got a director like Joseph Kahn... Who went and did that um, that Power Rangers uh, fan film? Which he used his own money. He wasn't looking to get any make any money on it. He put it up on Vimeo, which doesn't do embedded ads or anything like that. Saban gave him a cease and desist. They eventually worked it out. The film is up there because now they made it clear that it's a fan film. But if it looks too professional and Joseph Kahn could use that to get another job as a calling card, does that make it a money-making venture?
2: I don't know. That's a difficult, that's a really difficult question. I think what this really comes down to is, are you selling merchandise that says, uh, you know, Steven Star Trek fan film and,
1: uh, and,
2: and making money off it. I think that that is what you're going to get sued over. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to sue you because, um, like Dan Trachtenberg made that portal fan film. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, he got to direct, um, Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane like I don't think that anyone's getting sued for that but you're right it's you're profiting off of something that you made with someone else's IP. So
0: -hmm.
2: it's a difficult question.
0: Number seven uh, is rather interesting. The fan production must be family friendly and suitable for public presentation. Videos must not include profanity, nudity, obscenity, pornography, depictions of drugs, alcohol, tobacco, or any harmful or illegal activity, or any material that is offensive, fraudulent, defamatory, libelous, disparaging, sexually explicit, threatening, hateful, or any other inappropriate content. Content of the fan production cannot violate any individual's right of privacy and that i think is just basically saying hey porn parody people yeah. knock it off
2: yes which, um, I th- we-
0: which i think is super interesting
2: well there are there are star trek porn parodies so mm-hmm. perhaps this was their chance they were like we're going to go you know if we're going to go we're going to go for broke and we're going to knock everybody out of this mm-hmm. but also um i mean even if it says parody um you know, fair use is a security blanket right. as far as a legal defense goes. Like, you can still go after people who mm-hmm. claim fair use.
0: Now, you said this was lifted from uh, basically the Star Wars um, thing, and there has been the Star Wars porn parody. In fact, I think it's Vivid Entertainment that releases it. through <laughs> yes. Axel Braun, whoever releases it, and that has sold quite well for the company. And you would think now that it's, and the porn parody came out after the sale to Disney, and you would have thought that Disney would have jumped all over that. And shut it down and and not allowed it. I'm wondering how quickly someone like a Wood Rocket or Vivid or Wicked will go and do this just to tempt to see if CBS or Paramount will take them to court.
2: I think it depends on how good their lawyers are and how much money they're willing to spend on that. You're
0: you're right. Uh, You know, the um, fair use is is the one that they fall under. And mm-hmm. certainly there have been great examples of uh, Star Trek and Star Wars uh, parodies, true parodies, that work really well mm-hmm. and, and fall under the fair use and would be uh, exempt from a lot of this stuff. But I wonder how long before the fair use and parodies pops up as a, as a legal case.
2: It could. Um, I think it's also worth noting that none of these can be... Um, brought down on anything retroactively so something right. that was made before these guidelines came out right. um cannot be sued for not knowing what these guidelines were exactly. there are things like there's there's a law there's a, there's a rule in there about including a piece of text mm-hmm. about how the, this, this is owned by CBS and Paramount like that's probably something that if you have a Star Trek fan video you might want to go and put that on your website or whatever um but unless somebody does like you said unless a company gets their hackles up and decides to go and make something to tempt fate Everything that exists right now should pretty much be fine.
0: Yeah, I think so as well. Now, you'd mentioned number eight. The fan production must display a, f- a disclaimer, and it's really wordy and, mm-hmm. and long, but it says it must be on the screen credits of the fan production and on any marketing material, including the fan production website or page, hosting the fan production. And for the most part, and this goes back to, I believe, Sandy Cholera, maybe even sooner um, with the uh, Batman um, uh, Dead End Alley or Dead Alley or whatever it was, That Mm -hmm. people have been saying, hey, we want to make it clear that this is in no way uh, associated with Star Trek or CBS or Paramount or anything like that. So fans have been putting that or smart fans have been putting that ahead of their videos for a long time. And I think that that's pretty common. In fact, this is a very generic uh, statement that if you're doing something for Batman, if you're doing an aliens thing or if you're doing a G.I. Joe thing, you can rework this and replace the appropriate uh, IP owners mm-hmm. with the property in that statement and make it work for for you. And I think that that's probably a, a pretty good way to avoid some legal troubles in that way. Um, Definitely. Creators and fan productions must not seek to register their works nor any elements of their works under copyright or trademark law. This one is super fascinating and I feel like this one is directly uh, not in retaliation but directly aimed at the Axanar people because while... While, um, and and maybe even the ones that have the the Star Trek continues stuff in that, yes, Axanar and other fan uh, productions are using characters and settings and terminology and props uh, from the IP. There could be something that the fan film creates that is unique and of its own that I wouldn't say that Paramount would say, well, because it's ours, we're going to use it. But that a fan could then take a character or location or something in an attempt to trademark or or copy protect it and then turn the tables on Paramount and try to sue. Uh,
2: there, there are there are examples. Um, I don't want to get into it too sure. too much of fan productions that have because I've I've just seen them on Twitter and whatever um, that have created um, classes of ships or mm. specific designs or mm-hmm. uh, pictures. And stuff like that. And then they try to sell a trademark, market and they sell them online or in stores. And then, but they're still using Star Trek logos and stuff uh, like that. Okay. And, and that gets real hinky, Like it, yeah. it, and it becomes, sometimes it becomes the question of like, can you sue, can you sue for Vulcans because they're characters with pointy ears and characters with pointy ears have existed forever. And who really mm-hmm. owns that? Like, and I, that's a legal battle that like is, is even outside of trademark. Like it's a huge question. Right. But again, if you're using their their images and their logos, it's still not yours. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: uh, fan productions cannot create, this is the final one, fan productions cannot create or imply any association or endorsement by CBS or Paramount Pictures. Basically, that means you can't walk around and go, yeah, we talked to CBS and they're totally cool with this and they're on board with everything we do kind of thing.
2: Right, and there are, uh, there are a couple of uh, fan films that I have heard that with. I know there are fan film creators who have had um, meetings with CBS. I mm-hmm. don't know what those capa- the capacity of those meetings are. They might just be, hey, you guys need to stop. Or they might be, right. oh, we want to pitch this as an ongoing TV series. Thanks, but no thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are... That is a thing. I don't know outside of Star Trek fan film, but that is definitely a thing people really like to say, oh, we had a meeting with CBS. And sometimes... Those, because it, it sounds like it means something.
0: Sure. And sometimes those um, those meetings have been nothing more than, hey, we would like some guidance on if what we're doing is okay or not. And those have actually happened in the past. Yes, there
2: have definitely
3: been those.
0: Yeah. So I think that may be some of the stuff. But to go around and just say, hey, man, we're officially working with uh, CBS on this would be a a big no-no on that. And then, of course, uh, CBS wraps up the document. You can read this all over at StarTrek.com. They have a fan films uh, section that lists all the guidelines. They basically say they reserve the right to make changes to this at any time without notice. Now and forever. So, um,
2: yeah,
0: <laughs> there you go. So, what's your overall thought on this? For me, it to me, it feels like um, this is a pretty common sense kind of things uh, that mm-hmm. you should try to avoid whenever possible. And especially for those people that are trying to make money on it, it basically says, no, no, uh, whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I think these are, are generally fair, although I think that it, it's very crippling and hobbling for many people and that if you want to make a star trek fan film maybe you would be better off just making a generic space film
2: right but then you don't get that built an audience
0: (laughs) but but, well that's Um, true but you also you also own that property
2: yes definitely um my thoughts on it are i've seen a lot of articles from star trek sites that come out and they're like oh these these are really uncool or CBS put up these rules and they suck.
1: Mm. And
2: these rules are exactly what people have been asking for. Um, Even before the lawsuit came down, like people have been asking for guidelines for a long time. Everybody held up the Lucasfilm and the Star Wars guidelines as this holier-than-thou thing that we should base it on. That's what what you got. Mm -hmm. So I don't think you can be mad about that. And also, CBS and Paramount... Own the copyright. Right. Everybody right. likes to say that fans own this and fans contribute that, and that's a beautiful idea. But Gene Roddenberry sold it to Paramount CBS. Mm-hmm. Paramount CBS owns it. If I own if I owned an IP and people made fans. You know, and people are making fan content on it. There's a certain amount of flattery that comes along with that. But when people start, when you perceive people are stepping on your toes, Mm -hmm. then you have to act. And that's what this is. And I don't think it's fair for people to call this mean or rude or uh, crippling, but it's definitely going to change the face of what Star Trek fan films are. And there are Mm -hmm. some that are beloved. And so some people are going to be upset by it. But for me, I just think that it's a really logical and actually very kind thing because um, they could have told fan filmmakers, you don't get to make anything. Right. We'll just sue you. Right, right, right.
0: And I think that this, I mean, so the couple of questions that are popping up. Some people are kind of upset about these fan rulings saying, oh, my gosh, how can they do this? Um, some other people are asking, you know, again, what about the, the parody use? And if you're using it for comedic effect, there's a very there's a very defined definition of what parody is in the U.S. court system. You That's,
2: have to comment on the right. source material.
0: Right. You have, and, and you can make fun of the source material. You can comment on it. You can make uh, fun of it. You can do, you know, a lot of different things. But if you go under the Fair Use Doctrine and you look up to the, the parody section, and there's four things that you have to prove to, to use uh, Fair Use. Uh, the parody section is, is fairly broad, but I think that the definition is, is pretty clear on what you can and cannot do. And this is why when it comes to the porn parodies that a lot of people start scratching their head. Because, again, if you look at the uh, Star Wars porn parody... It's basically uh, Axel Braun, I think, is is the director on that. He just basically said, hey, here's my take on Star Wars. It's the same story. It's the same plot. But all of these people are having sex. Therefore, it's protected because it's a parody. They're not mm-hmm. trying to make fun of anything at all. They're basically remaking uh, Star Wars in those films. I mean, not that I would know anything. I haven't seen it or anything like that. But um, but, it, but it comes to that. It's interesting that this right now covers fan films. And so we would think that this is video uh entertainment but what about someone who wants to do their own fan audio or what if someone who is doing their uh like a real play uh podcast where they're doing an rpg that's using a star trek mechanic system and recording that and releasing that i wonder Mm -hmm. how that affects those other those other outlets
2: i think that there's a chance that this is going to get extended to that it's the question that always arises about fan art as it is displayed at conventions, uh, because again, it's the balance between if you're trying to make your name, people are going to come over to look at your Harley Quinn art. They're not going to come over to look at the thing that you created because they mm-hmm. don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is an unpre- it's not an unprecedented move because it's again, Star Wars did it like 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a big thing in the public zeitgeist right now, and I think there's a good chance that it will come to extend. Um, fan art and i think fan fiction will pretty much be left alone because it's usually just disseminated on the internet for free the big question here is are you profiting off of it because that's yeah. what uh that's what a big corporation doesn't like
0: yeah uh someone's Perfectly. saying uh, that these uh, this is uh, the rules are bs and are unfair to the fans how are they unfair to the fans
2: they i mean i would just argue that they're not unfair to the fans mm-hmm. fans Fans don't know. I know we really like her stuff, guys, and that's, but and that's we don't thing. own that's, it. <laughs> that's
0: the thing that that a lot of people um, have problems with is that when we talk about these things that have become general use things. I mean, me giving the the Vulcan uh, sign. I mean that that is something that's ingrained throughout our uh, pop culture, throughout our culture, not just pop culture, but throughout our culture. Or if someone says "Live long and prosper," prosper. Same thing. It's it's part of our culture, and so we feel like we have Um, that that has become fair for anyone to use at any time in any meaning. Uh, Unfortunately, it doesn't, as long as that property is still being protected by copyright in the United States. What were you going to say, Ashley?
2: I was also going to say that I think that people, we we lose sight sometimes, that we all do it, um, Mm -hmm. of the fact that entertainment is a business transaction, making it TV is a business transaction. Making a comic book is a business transaction, and so it falls under the rules of business and business ethics. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes those make us feel icky, but that's that's what it is. Yeah, guys. I, taught, I taught a class.
0: <laughs> I taught a class on Star Wars and pop culture. Now this is not Star Trek. And usually, when you bring up Star Wars and Star Trek in the same conversation, people flip the f out. But uh, I, I okay, this we're by here in the sci-fi chat. here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I taught a, cl- a <laughs> class uh, called Star Wars and Pop Culture, and I did a whole lecture on Star Wars and fan films and what it means to have participatory feedback or participatory conversations, mm-hmm. and that's essentially what fan films are. And in the lecture that you guys can can look at, you can you can see where uh, this is a is a dicey conversation because if I feel like this is something that's ingrained in pop culture than I, or just in culture that I should be able to do it and say it and do whatever I want with it. But unfortunately when it comes to the courts and the legal system, we can't do that. And so there is this very, uh, I don't know, it's troubling and and you can see both, I can see both sides of the argument that man, we should be able Mm -hmm. to create whatever we want because we love this stuff. And this is part of my creative outlet. But on the the other hand is I'm, 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 I'm taking someone else's, Ownership of something and manipulating it in a way that that owner does not want and then that gets into a whole issue of what copyright laws were set up to do anyway in that copyright trademarks etc were set up initially by our founding fathers so that people who created that intellectual property would be protected for a certain number of time and they would be able to sell and market and make money from that idea. But then after a certain amount of time. It would expire, and the expectation was that this would then go into the public domain, and people could do with it what they will. And that would that in that case would allow you to go in and do fan films and things without repercussions. Unfortunately, and this I, is where were you going to jump in on something like that uh, that I said there? I
2: was going to I was going to I was going to say that if um if people take issue with the fact that uh. Things that you love are not in the public domain at all mm-hmm. times or even after a lapse of time, you need to take that up with Walt Disney yeah, because I was all through. of the original Disney characters, yeah, should be in the public domain. But because of the way they've held on to the Mickey copyright, that set precedent for mm-hmm. Superman should be in the public domain right mm-hmm. now, and Superman will never be in the public domain. Batman will never be in the public right. domain because giant corporate entities get their giant corporate lawyers, and mm-hmm. then that makes the law,
0: yeah. And so, if you really and again, if you want to investigate what we're talking about with Mickey Mouse. Laws here and truly Mickey Mouse laws. Go and look in the uh, Mickey Mouse uh, copyright case. And I believe it was uh, either 76 or 80. And this was the first thing that extended copyright to 75 years um, after the uh, after the death of the author or the creator. And now we're bumping up into that. And I think it was extended to 100 years. Uh, Now, the way the copyright laws are changing is basically a corporation is considered an individual. And as long as the corporation is still around, then the copyright basically extends into perpetuity, um, which means that the Mickey Mouse copyright would never expire, uh, meaning that Mickey Mouse would never be in the public domain. Superman, all these others would not be in the public domain. Uh, if you want to go into a legal case, I would suggest people go back and listen to some of our major spoilers podcasts, in which I talk to uh, Dr. Melissa Huntsiger who is a uh, lawyer, and we talk about copyright, we talk about the trademark, and we talk about what was supposed to happen with it and why things like the San Diego Comic-Con attempts to sue the, um, the, the Utah, uh, the Salt Lake City Comic-Con. Why people are constantly going after Mickey Mouse, uh, people who are you know like Disney going after Dead Mouse uh, for use of the mouse Mm -hmm. type symbol. Uh, It it really gets into this area that, as some of you are pointing out in the chat, yes, copyright law is terribly broken, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. and these things should be in public domain. In fact, the Max Fleischer uh, animated Superman stuff are in public domain, Um, but none Mm -hmm. of the other Superman stuff is. Uh, and there are a bunch of uh, Mickey Mouse comic strips that were not renewed as part of a um, uh, a copyright renewal. And so there are, I think, about two years worth of Mickey Mouse comic strips that are in the public domain. And and they're kind of, uh, you know, interesting because in one of them, Mickey Mouse attempts to commit suicide. Um, oh, no. So there are things that have slipped through copyright track and. You know, and I can understand why people are, you know, want to use that stuff. But in, until copyright laws are changed to release this stuff, um, it, it's not, unfortunately. And so Star Trek will always be under the protection of the government uh, and the ownership of CBS and Paramount, Batman, Superman, Mickey Mouse, etc. cetera. Um, I would say, hey, man, call your congressman if you're really upset about this. But unfortunately, lobbying interests um, are going to outweigh your <laughs> phone call. And even if there were a million people, even if 100 million people in the United States called and said, hey, man, we want the copyright laws changed so that this stuff is now out into the public domain, it's still not going to outweigh the, the tens of thousands of millions of dollars that lobbyists put in to make sure that their I- interests are protected. And we can see this right now with what's going on with, and I hate to put this into this example, but we can see this going on right now with, with gun control. Or, or gun yeah. um, uh, tightening of, of the gun laws. This is exactly why, you know, 88 percent of America is in favor of stricter gun control rules and regulations. But nothing's happening at the government level because of lobbying interests. So I can understand why those of you um, who are in the chat room who are upset about this don't, you know, um, don't like it. But unfortunately, that's the, the rule system that is currently in place. Anything else you want to add, Ashley?
2: Um, I was just going to say that if it is something like if you want to make a fan film based on a thing that you love, the best way to go about doing it in a way that will keep everybody nice and safe and everybody nice and happy is to contact the IP holder and yes. try to buy mm-hmm. it from them. Yeah. Um, yes. Exactly. You know, it's because this 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 set of rules, this Axanar case, this is going to set a precedent, and mm-hmm. I can guarantee you that it will reach beyond Star Trek.
0: Yes. Oh, yes. And I'm I'm sure. And interestingly, uh, for a time, the the uh, Star Wars fan film festival had been stopped uh, initially when that was bought up by by Disney. They've since started that back up again. And so you do have some IP holders and especially George Lucas and uh, Kathleen Kennedy, who really understand that uh, fans are helping to keep a franchise alive. And by giving them leeway to do certain things, not whatever they want, but to do certain things that it keeps interest in that property alive and well going forward. I like what Ashley said about mm-hmm. contacting them about licensing. Um, every corporation has ways that you can license their, their products and their, uh, their ideas uh, to put on popsicles or T-shirts or uh, uh, refrigerator doors. So that might be another way to do it. It's still very expensive, but that would be the, the legal way of going about it.
2: And it it might be as simple as sending someone an email because that's how Andy Weir (laughs) sold The Martian. Somebody emailed him and he sold it for $11,000. Yeah. Uh, If you're looking at some smaller properties, you might get them a lot cheaper.
0: You know, it's really interesting when you do reach out to the rights holders. Sometimes they are very generous in what they do. For example, um, uh, Ukla the Mock, uh, which is a uh, uh, pop culture band that many of you have heard before. Uh, Maybe if you haven't, go look them up. They're really great. But um, I just reached out to them and said, hey, we would love to use your song at the end of our Major Spoilers podcast. Can we do that? And Rand, uh, one of the, the performers in the band, wrote back and said, absolutely. In fact, we love what you guys are doing. We want you to, to use this. And by the way, I'd be happy to write for your site. So now Rand is writing for us. So there are some, some real positives that can come out. Of just reaching out to rights holders. Now, Disney, you're going to get into a lot of trouble with. Right. (laughs) Um, Or, you know, you're not going to get in trouble with them. But their answer is going to be uh, thank you. But no. Let me tell you an interesting story to kind of show how this can work, even at a corporate level. When I was teaching in Atlanta decades ago, um, a couple of my students said, hey, we want to shoot this scene in a restaurant, this, this conversation between a couple has to take place in kind of a, a, a restaurant location. We were thinking of something like a Waffle House. And for those of you that don't know what a Waffle House is, it's a chain of restaurants mostly in the South that serve like uh, chicken and waffles uh, type stuff. Um, and I said, well, you're not going to be able to do it because of franchise rights and ownership rights and, and all these things. But I said, here's what we should do if we want to if you really want to do this. We'll make sure that we have a written letter from the store manager owner of the local one that you're trying to do. And then we will contact the corporate headquarters, explain to them what we're trying to do, and see if they will let us shoot there. And so basically, we had the written letter from the local owner. We contacted corporate, told them what they were going to do. And they're just like, hey, send us a letter that explains everything and tells us that basically tells us that you're not going to use our Waffle House signs or logos or anywhere in your shoot. And you'll be perfectly fine. And so we did. We faxed it off to them. They sent it back within an hour, signed off on it and said, please go enjoy, you know, shooting your stuff in, in our location. So nice. sometimes it is that easy to do that. Now, that was, you know, 20 plus years ago. Today, they'd probably say no, but uh, it is worth always trying. <laughs> uh, OK, everybody Oh, so Nate Olson says Waffle House is evil. I don't want to say that Waffle House is evil, but they're not. if you need to clean I will say this if you need to clean your lower intestines Waffle House is a good place to eat Uh, let us open the phone lines now 785-727-1939 that's the major spoilers hotline of course you can always look for me at Stephen underscore Schleicher on Skype and we would love to talk with you on this Friday afternoon we've got about uh, 25 minutes left in the show that uh, that we would love to hear from you again 785-727-1939 Uh, We do try to keep it positive and clean for some of our new listeners that are joining in uh, for the first time. Another interesting story that popped up this week that may have a lot of people initially upset is that uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow has cast a new star as Vixen. And from that initial reaction, some people would say, wait, uh, Megalyn is not going to be um, uh, Vixen anymore? And no, she's still Vixen. Her schedule didn't allow them to work her into the second season of DC's Legends of Tomorrow. So the new actress that they've cast, uh, Maisie Richardson Sellers, she will play the grandmother of the present-day Vixen. So I thought that was kind of an interesting story. Yeah. Matt. Go ahead.
2: I was going to say, yeah, it's not Mari, so <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
0: it'll be okay. I think it will be okay, and I think everybody will understand that. Let us jump. Whoops. Hold on just a second. Uh, Matt, let me call you right back. Uh, let's bring back on... Sorry about that. I forgot to add the person to the conversation. So let's add Matthew back in. Let's see if he picks up. Matthew, 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 call right back. Sorry about that, man. Um, Oh, man. Okay, so next week, i oh, actually, we're not here next week. Next week, I promise, I will have this whole phone system figured out because here comes another phone call <laughs> that will not let me add if it I to get, the if conversation. If I get muted, it's
2: okay.
0: Yeah, it's just really weird that it will not let me add some people to the conversation and other people get added without a problem. So, Matthew, let me uh, let Probably me
2: need this. to update your Skype. <laughs> no, it's definitely
0: not that because I checked this earlier today and it says, nope, your version of Skype is totally up to date, dude. Until Monday when it won't be.
2: Oh, no, not you. Not, not you, like the person who's trying to call in is probably needs to update their Skype. Yeah, so that's yeah. usually the reason why yeah. something goes wrong. All
0: right, so I guess you're going to be bumped on to hold. Let's see, what does this button do? Ah, there we go. That's okay. Nope, I think you're still there, Ashley. So, Matthew, what's going on today? Uh, I was able to play the Back to the Future board game this last week. Ah, so we've talked about this. A lot of people have yeah. talked about this. So what did you think? Well... <laughs> the artwork is—it's
1: weird looking. Um, if you're coming at it from like a like a normal board game art, it's, mm-hmm. it's, what I expect is what the IDW comic books are. It's yeah, it's, it's pretty
0: close to that. They tend to be a little bit more realistic than the uh, than the comic books. The comic books tend to take the characters and turn them very cartoony. This one's kind of a mix between photorealistic and cartoons.
1: Um, like before with board games looking at the components of it um, the cards they're very the graphic design is a little it's very busy it's Mm kind of hard to see what some of the stuff is Um, some of the art I'm not sure if they were just trying to extend it a little bit like there was one card was literally the mirror flip of another card oh really so I drew these two cards and it was Doc and Marty then another card beside it was Marty and Doc Oh, wow. And just exactly the mirror image of it. So I don't know if they're just doing that just so it's, it looks a little bit different, I guess. Maybe you don't recognize it unless they're both beside each other.
0: I guess. What did you think of the gameplay? Because I've looked at a couple of it's, of um, hmm. playthroughs and I've, I've looked and see what some other people have said about it. And it's just it doesn't seem to be positive.
1: It's very convoluted. Yeah. <laughs> Is it probably the best way to put it.
0: It's. It's
1: essentially set collection. You're trying mm-hmm. to, in three different time periods, get a set of three different characters um, that are in the, in the three time periods are listed, and there's you know, this is the event in 1955, and you need Doc Marty and Biff or Doc Marty and anybody, or you know, whatever the case is. Yeah. So you have to get the, the steps involved just to be able to play a card, or So first, you have to the DeLorean has to be in the time zone. So the, the right, the coffee I had came with a Hot Wheels car. Yeah. So you could you could replace the little cardboard token with a with a Hot Wheels DeLorean, which was mm-hmm. kind of cool. Um, so once you get that, you have to you have to pick a character um, at the beginning of your turn, and that and when you pick, say you pick Marty, and you do the special ability that Marty has, but now you can only play a Marty card. You can only play him in the time zone that the DeLorean is unless you pay to move it out of the cards. And every card has multiple things on it. It has time and power so you can move the car. Or when you uh, play the card, so you you, you get a Marty and you can play him in the time zone or the time era that you're in. Now you have to pay the time value of the card.
0: No, it's, it is rid of Other
1: cards. And then depending on what and there might be a ripple effect. Right. So there's no ripple effect in 2015 because you're not going back in time to, to change anything. But if you go to 1955, you have to pay two ripple cards. Now, you get those, the cards that you burn for ripple go face down in a pile, and you get those victory points marked. So you get the points of those, but you have to kind of sacrifice their usefulness as a character or as a so.
0: So what's the Something bottom line? Else. What's the bottom line for you on this? Is it is it a fun game or is this a is this a game to pass on?
1: Unless you are the most diehard of Back to the Future fans, and it's yeah. more of a you, you need it to fill that board game hole in your Back to the Future collection, uh-huh. I would I would I would pass. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking it was,
0: too. I it's uh with our Hastings sales that are going on, it's up there at our Hastings for like fifty percent off, and I was still like, nope, not gonna buy it. Sorry. So, anyway. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. What do you know about Lost Cities the card game? Uh, I watched a demo of this the other oh, night and it looks like a fantastic game.
1: That's a, that's one of my favorite two-player games. Um, okay. it's so it's so it's so easy to like like the, the rules for it, but it's ah, oh, it can it can it can go back and forth depending on if one of you is going to be mean or not. It can really escalate and and turn south.
0: It says <laughs> I think it says 10 plus and uh, I really think that Both of my young kids, even though one of them is just uh, five, I think they would, from what I saw, they could both learn how to play this game and understand it.
1: I think so. Uh, Sometimes the age restrictions on, they're not really restrictions, but the age guidelines on a box have Mm -hmm. little to do with the complexity and more to do with legality of small pieces in a box.
0: Oh, okay, okay. This
1: game has small pieces and I'm sending it to Europe. 14 and above. We're not even going to deal with it. You put 14 and above, it can go
0: to Europe. I see. Ashley, have you ever played Lost Cities?
1: I
2: have not.
0: It looks really fun. I um, just posted, you can find it on our Amazon link over at Major Spoilers, but basically you are laying out cards. Part of it to me honestly feels like rummy, gin rummy. Uh, where basically you're putting out cards uh, escalating up as you try to pay off your expedition and have more money at the end of the game, more quote unquote points or money at the end of the game than your opponent. And you know, there' are certainly ways that you can screw over your opponent because um, because it's a counting up game, you can go two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, but if you start at eight, you can't include any number lower than that so oh interesting yeah so it's it's looks really interesting i did pick it up and it's going to be uh, headed our way uh, but i really think my young kids will be able to play it and have a lot of fun with it and maybe both of them will stop uh killing each other over stupid things and start killing each other over card games <laughs> 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 all right matthew thank yep. you so much for calling in this week man yep bye-bye all right that was good to hear, Matthew. Last week we were talking about there. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about that Back to the Future game, and I said I wanted to know more because everything I'd seen of it just did not look any good. Are do you too have time, do you have time to play games lately, or are you just super busy?
2: Um, like when was the last time I played a game? We played Star Trek like, a ton, like a month and a half ago. Oh, okay, all
0: right. That's All right, probably it. <laughs> well, what, what are some cool thing? What are some cool projects that you're working on uh, right now? Because that's been in several weeks, almost maybe a month or so since you've been on the show.
2: Um, what's well, something cool that I'm doing? I'm now the full time host of Comic Book Now, which is Comic Book.com's live streaming web show on Facebook uh, five days a week, and a bunch of secret stuff that's not finished, so I can't tell you about it.
0: And are you still um, with a, a certain publisher? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm still I'm still editing over at Top Cow, making the books happen. Excellent. Um, Excellent. Yeah, that's that's fun. But most of this, most of our projects right now are are in the various development hell phases.
0: Ah, I understand. Let's go to uh, the hot Orlando and talk to Nate O. Oh, hey, Nate. Ooh. Hey, guys. What's going on How's with you going? this week? Oh, just hot. And the worst <laughs> part is it's like humid i mean the humidity is the worst part of that right i mean it's, our our friends in insane. arizona our friends in arizona um are burning up with like hundred and twenty two degree temperatures you know somebody's cooking literally cooking pizza on the sidewalk uh because it's that hot, yet it's a dry heat right and if it were hundred and twenty two degrees in orlando or in uh, miami uh oh, we'd be pe- dead. people would be dead
3: yeah I' <laughs> <laughs> even know. When we went to Utah last year, mm-hmm. it was one oh one when we were in the valley. Right. I had jeans on and like a short kind of a you know, longer sleeve shirt, like elbow shirt. Mm-hmm.
0: It was perfectly
3: fine. I was like, This is nice, this isn't too bad. Yeah, here ninety <laughs> degrees you add ten degrees to it, you're you're it's it's I walk the dogs a little like around four o'clock, which is probably the worst time to walk your dogs. Oh, I'm sure. And I was like, oh my God, no, stop. And I was like, hurry
0: up, I'm dying. When I worked at, um, years, again, years and years ago, I worked at uh, Disney World for a summer. And um, we always knew 2, 3 o'clock it would always rain. But at night, because I wanted to go out and run, I had to wait until like 11 o'clock at night before I could go out and run because it was still so hot and humid.
3: Uh, yeah. yeah, Our low is 80 degrees uh, today. Uh, that's our low. So tonight it will stay around 80 degrees. But it's weird in Florida because the coast, because, I mean, it's it's only 80, 90 degrees because we have the sea breeze and the blowing Mm -hmm. and stuff. But it's still the humidity, the moisture in the air does not let that heat escape. Mm -hmm. And you just, You feel it. So So what's on your
0: mind mind this week, man? Well, I wanted to thank
3: Ashley and and Jason for answering my question on their uh, cool Jason Talks Geek show.
0: Yeah, it's definitely fun.
2: Yeah, man.
3: And I'm glad it was a cool one. You guys enjoyed that, that question, so that was good. After the third time top I've asked, I asked, I'm sorry.
2: It was a top tier question.
3: <laughs> that was a top tier question. Um, but the just want to say that and the the IPO stuff, which mm-hmm. which really funny, because not a lot of people remember. But when 2001 Space Odyssey came about, right, the movie house actually went to IBM. And had to pay for those logos and all mm-hmm. that stuff that they used,
1: right and it was
3: some weird amount, thousands a few thousand dollars for them to do it, right and it was like today it's unheard of. IBM would be paying the movie house okay mm-hmm. if that if that if you show the logo it's this amount, well mm-hmm. you have to pay us this amount um if we or or like with my company. If they, if it's in the scene, it's this amount. If they hold the product, yeah. it's it's a little more. If they consume the product, then it's even more.
0: Mm-hmm. Man, you imagine know, if it's
3: in fifty percent of the money, shot. Then
0: it, imagine how much money Universal made on Back to the Future from your company.
3: Oh, Dad <laughs> and Bill Ted, or not Bill and Ted, um, Wayne's World. No, but that back to, that yep, whole thing yep. was was a was a PepsiCo commercial. So. Wow. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, nice. it is it is a way to fund, right? I mean, that's I mean, that's something legitimate. We see that happen a lot of times, where hey, we need to get funding for this, and so we're going to go to these companies and and uh, try to sell the product. Otherwise, when you see the the can and the logo uh, is obscured, or it's turned around, or the hand is over the the logo at the right place, it just means that hey, they yeah, are yeah. willing to to pay for this. So there they go. Yep.
3: You see it on Big Bang Theory all the time because mm-hmm. I see products on there all the time, but they have. You know, one of you know one of the A's kind of filled in, so it looks weird. Mm-hmm. So it's not actually licensed. Yep. But then again, mm-hmm. it's actual the product.
0: Well, and then also because right. it's a CBS series, when they go to the uh, comic book store, it's all DC. Re- most of the it is DC related product, and then occasionally you see some Dark Horse in there. No. But, yeah.
2: That is because Marvel charges a ridiculous yeah. amount of money. Um, to have your to have their comics in there. Like, even if you look at something like Comic Book Men, mm-hmm. there's no Marvel comics unless it's an accidental shot. They really don't, like, do not have control over their IP, even in the background of a shot, whereas DC is just like, yeah, you can, whatever, go for it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it and again, it all boils down to money. It, it's mm-hmm. not boiling down. I mean, you can... Say it's not boiling down to creativity and and stuff being out there because let's face it, just like piracy and stuff, it brings that IP to the forefront mm-hmm. of anything, and right. people talk about it, people right. look at it, people want more of it. So yeah, is it a is it a, a necessity, a, a evil necessity of the world? Yes, but in when it's down and dirty, even my company, when it's it's money, 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 yep. money, money, money. That's yep. all it is. Has yep. nothing to do about killing creativity does not really curve anything else that people they want to do they just want to make sure that you're not making money because of what they've created
0: mm-hmm. yep fun. I have oh. uh, I have received uh, cease and desist letters from your uh, your company's biggest competitor in the past too so uh, anybody who wants to protect <laughs> their stuff and feels threatened will attempt to to shut you down
3: yeah yeah Wow the last thing is if you okay. did not go see Voltron if you haven't seen Voltron do it. Okay, it, it is oh, it is so good. The the um the writing or uh, cinema, not cinematography. I I'm so bad at this. The Basically, the story through this going oh, okay. from one episode to another is mm-hmm. just like the last Airbender or Legend of Korra.
0: Cool. Well, i It, forward it, to it that, doesn't though.
3: have a distinct. It doesn't have a distinct ending. It has like a distinct ending, but it doesn't end, and you have to go into the next. They don't, you know, it, it's kind of stretched out, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, But the the animation is phenomenal. Again, it's the same, I think it's the same animation team that did Legend of Korra. But I finished it, and when it was done, I'm like, wait, wait, wait there's no more? So I'm like,
0: basically yeah. on my
3: edge of my seats, waiting for more Voltron. So, but yes, I, I highly recommend it. If you have not seen Voltron, definitely watch it. 11 episodes, phenomenal.
0: Yeah, I have not had a chance to watch that net, uh, yet, Nate. Uh, it's uh, down on our list. I was hoping to get the kids interested in it, but uh, my oldest is about to head off to his grandparents for a week, so that'll curb that for a little while. Uh, and the huh? youngest—if uh, it doesn't have Lego in it—he's really not that interested. So <laughs> he might be for Sitting giant. My he might right be now. for giant uh, robots that assemble into you know a, a giant robot thing. Uh, he might be interested in that. So we'll see. Have you seen Voltron yet, Ashley?
2: No, it's sitting in my queue, waiting to be consumed.
0: Oh, I'm watching God. Bloodline right now. You're watching. <laughs> Speaking what? of Florida, Bloodline.
2: <laughs> Bloodline. Oh,
0: okay. All right. Yeah. What is that? Is that an HBO series or like?
2: It, it's a Netflix original.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So. There's so much yeah, out there that I, that I don't times. even know about. The the weird thing is, it's like I knew that they were making a, an updated Odd Couple series, but I didn't know it was in the yeah, third yeah. season already.
2: Yeah. That's,
0: yeah, uh, I'm out of touch. All right. All right. Nick, thanks so much for <laughs> calling in, man. Have a great week. Thanks. Guys. Bye. You too. All right. Ashley, we are just about out of time this week. We've got time for one more Ooh. party or one more call. I was uh, reading the comments there. Sushi Go Party is also a great game um, to check out. So there you go. Um, anything nice. else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, we could talk about all the Justice League stuff that's come out. Okay, so a uh, new Justice League logo and synopsis was revealed for the movie. Uh, ben Affleck got to release the uh, the image uh, on his Twitter feed. And then, of course, uh, Warner Brothers released the, uh, the synopsis. So basically, it says, fueled by his restored faith in humanity and inspired by Superman's selfless act, Bruce Wayne enlists, enlists the help of his newfound al- ally, uh, Diana Prince, to face an even greater enemy. Uh, together, Batman and Wonder Woman work quickly to find and recruit a team of metahumans to stand against this newly awakened threat. But despite the formation of this unprecedented League of Heroes, it may already be too late to save the planet from an assault of catastrophic proportions. Um, did you get to go to that? Were you part of that set visit uh, thing? Nope, I sure wasn't. So a bunch of reporters and websites were allowed to go do a press junket, I guess on the set of um, of the Justice League movie. And so there's a lot of Forbes really went into a lot of detail more so than a lot of other sites and and outlets that I've seen. And basically it kind of confirms something that we've been talking about here on Major Spoilers for a while is that it seems to be following the storyline. Maybe not all the exact details, but the storyline of the first Justice League uh, story in the new 52 where Steppenwolf and Darkseid are invading from another parallel dimension coming into this one. Parademons are attempting to kidnap people and make off with them, which is why the Justice League gets involved. And um, the big bad in the first Justice League movie, they did confirm, would be Steppenwolf, who would be leading this charge, this invasion of Earth. So, what do you think so far, Ashley?
2: Um, I think that it sounds freaking awesome. And I think, and it does I too. think that. <laughs> I think because they kept so much of BVS secret. Mm-hmm. They're trying to really go the opposite now and uh, give as much without spoiling anything as possible. Uh, I know that the scene that they got to see was the first scene that uh, jk Simmons shot as Commissioner Gordon.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, he's supposed to look like... He's supposed to, the classic look with the whipped cream hair, which is really cool. And I think that they're... My understanding is that in the ultimate cut and in some of the things that we have seen, um, the little clips that were cut that were released uh, a week after PBS aired, aired is mm. that the the Steppenwolf and the mother box and the dark side of it all was planted and then was maybe cut away by corporate yeah. overlords who didn't understand the implications that they were taking out. Right. Um, and I think that by putting that out in a very public statement, it's going to be harder to axe off the back end as well. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I'm curious. I I have not watched. I mean, I have the um, the R rated extended super BVS movie, but I haven't watched that yet to see how much different it is. Have you seen that yet?
2: I've not seen it yet, but I am looking
0: forward to seeing it soon. I'm interested. The reason why I say that is because the nightmare sequence from BVS, the one where Batman's running around, you know, like killing people and we've seen the parademons and the giant uh, uh, Omega symbol burned into the earth. And then we see Mm -hmm. the Flash pop out and say, yeah, it's all about uh, Lois Lane or whatever. You got to save her. I'm wondering if that isn't in an extended cut made a little bit more clear that maybe that's a parallel earth instead of some time travel shenanigans. Because that would make a lot more sense. That would make a lot more sense. I would love that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so I would encourage people again, go back and read that first arc of uh, the Justice League in the new 52. And it, kind of feels that's the vibe that i'm getting it kind of feels like they're they're taking that story arc not the individual beat points like superman and batman and and hal jordan fighting in the streets but um but that invasion storyline that was also part of um earth Two society or whatever that was um and combining those together and telling Mm -hmm. this movie so very cool nice yeah um what are your thoughts on the the wording that they're trying to make this super more friendly, I guess, is the, is the best word for it. And to not make it as dark and deep. Any reactions to right.
2: that? Um, I, don't, I don't think making it later is necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's definitely going to be... I think that's going to come a lot from The Flash and Cyborg. I don't think mm-hmm. we're suddenly going to get a jokey, jokey Batman. Um, so I hope that people are not expecting that. But I think that when you have a team uh, full of diverse people, you have a chance to introduce diverse and different dynamics and mm-hmm. that that might not be a bad thing necessarily.
0: Excellent. Cool. Well, I think, everyone, we have run out of time for this week's Finally Friday. I want to thank Ashley Victoria Robinson. Thank you, Ashley, for joining us once again for this having week. Me. It's always fun to have you here because uh, you're so knowledgeable about everything and uh, we love talking with you. So whenever you're, you want to come back, you are welcome to come back. And for everyone who popped into the uh, comment section at uh, on the YouTube channel or for those of you that are commenting below the comment section at Majorspoilers.com, thank you so much for participating in that way. Thank you to all of our callers and thank you to all of our Major Spoilers VIPs. Without you, we couldn't make this show possible. And until, well, actually we're off next week for the July 4th uh, weekend. We'll be back the week after that. But until then, take care and we'll talk with you soon.